seats. So good to be in church today. And um, yeah, it is my privilege uh, to bring you today's message. Um, Nathan said good luck with those communion cups, and I managed to spill it all the way down me, so that's not a great start, is it? So thank God that we are now moving to the real stuff. Brilliant. Okay, well, I want to welcome you to church today. I want to welcome you if you're here for the first time, and that includes anybody online that is uh, joining for the first time today. And as a church, we love to welcome new people, so I'm going to ask you again to welcome anybody today that is new to church, new to Icon Church. Awesome. And, you know, if anybody doesn't know who I am, I'm just going to move this slightly because I'm used to kind of being on the side a bit, but I'm, I'm using notes today. I'm changing my style, so that's, yeah. <laughs> it could all go wrong. But anyway, for anybody that doesn't know me, I'm called Jane. I am married to Gavin, and uh, we have four grown-up children. One of them you saw here on the stage. Um, he's our youngest, Jake. Uh, three of them are married, actually, and Jake is about to get married in January to KT, who's not in the room at the moment, but we're so excited about that. Um, the other three are actually at other campuses, um, but I was thinking just this morning, actually, they're all on the creative team. That's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't come from me, that, but they are all on the creative team. <laughs> it is Gavin. It is Gavin. Um, anyway, uh, I, we've also got one grandchild as well who is called Miles. He's two years old. He's adorable. And the great thing about Miles is that I get to watch Disney every time I'm with him. And I love that. So I'm just going to pray before we get into this. Um, so Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are here, God, that you are going to speak to us through your word this morning. And I just pray that each and every one of us will have ears to listen and hearts to receive everything that you want to say to us today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my title is Bold as a Lion. I guess that's on the screen. Yeah, it is. And there's a lion. I was hoping there would be a lion. Thank you, Sam, for that. I want to um, share a story with you, um, and Sam's going to put um, a photo on the screen. And I wonder whether anyone um, has heard of or seen this guy before. One or two may have, have seen him before. Um, his name is um, Nirmal Perger, or Nims for short. And I hadn't actually come across him until I recently watched a documentary on Netflix called 14 Peaks. You may or may not have heard of that. I would encourage you to watch it if you can. Um, he's an incredible guy with an incredible story. And he was born in Nepal, and he was the youngest of four siblings. Um, and in 2019, at the age of 36, he attempted to climb the 14 peaks in the world that are over 8,000 meters high. They are all situated around the Himalayas. And some of them you will have heard of, like Everest, K2, I guess, are the most um, prominent ones that we would have heard of. Um, but, you know, to put that into perspective, if you don't really realize the reality of that, it's a major endeavor 
just to climb one peak that is over 8,000 meters. And I guess that we would all be familiar with how difficult it is um, to climb Everest. I mean, has anyone climbed Everest here this morning? No, none of us. There's probably not many in the world that will ever do it. But it's a major endeavor because when you get beyond 8,000 meters, you enter into what mountaineerings describe as the death zone. And this is because at that altitude, you are only taking in a third of the amount of oxygen that you would normally do or take in at sea level. So it is pretty dangerous. You need oxygen to get you up there. Well, the first mountaineer to ever achieve climbing all of these 14 peaks actually took 16 years to do it. And in 2019, Nims and his team took just seven months to climb all 14 peaks. Not only that, but he broke six mountaineering records in the process. One of them being that he climbed Everest, Lhotse, and Makula, or Makalu, sorry, in 48 hours. Like three peaks in 48 hours. I mean, how does somebody do that. I mean, I'm not saying that this was an ordinary guy. He suddenly woke up one day and thought, this is what I am going to do in my life. Actually, he was one of the Gurkhas and he trained in the British Special Forces. So he spent 15 years kind of doing that before he took on this challenge. And Nims called his expedition Project Possible because he firmly believed that it was possible to do it, even though the odds were stacked against him, even though like nobody else had ever um, achieved this monumental feat that he was going to do in seven months. That was his goal, to do it in seven months. And this is what he, he achieved. And we've got a photo, there it is, of him and his team at the finish line there. You know, this man had the kind of confidence that pulled him through the most difficult of challenges and made others believe in his mission as well. And during the most difficult times, he had to lead his team with extreme confidence because of the risks involved. But there was not one moment when he doubted that it was possible I find that incredible. I've got a few quotes from him that will come up on the screen. He said, the biggest strength that I have is that I have no fear. He said, giving up is not in the blood. And he said, sometimes the idea that you come up with may seem impossible to the rest of the world, but it's not impossible to you. He had such belief. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go away from here this morning aspiring to that kind of achievement. But, you know, can we live our lives with that level of confidence? Is it possible? And where does our confidence lie? Because let's face it, if it has to come from our own strength and ability, then probably many of us would feel like we've already failed before we've even started. And even if we are feeling confident, you know, there are so many things in life that can cause us to lose our confidence and cause us to throw that confidence away. Things like rejection, like not being listened to, 
like being overlooked, having our character attacked, comparison, that's a big one, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, facing a serious illness or loss of function, and transition. You know, we go through so many seasons of transition in our lives. We've just been through a pandemic where many people have suffered loss and grief and unexpected transition. And maybe for you, this has been a period where you have lost your confidence and you're trying to rebuild it again. I don't know about you, but I have struggled on and off with confidence my whole life. I mean, going from a child into teenage years, I was painfully shy. And I just did not like the spotlight being on me. Uh, which is funny because I'm up here now with a spotlight on me. But it might uh, surprise you to know that my chosen profession uh, was to be a teacher. And that is a role where the spotlight is very much on you every time you walk out in front of a class. And I still get nervous to this day of standing up in front of a class most days. Um, but, you know, I, I love teaching. I love maths. I'm a maths teacher and probably the maths is what got me into teaching rather than the other way around. But I do love it. But I get nervous and I, and I don't have confidence all of the time. But, you know, I remember times when I did some unexpected things and things that were totally out of my comfort zone. I remember when I was a child, I used to love uh, singing in the choir at primary school. And every year, we used to put on a performance um, in front of the parents and grandparents and family members, that sort of thing. And um, I remember one particular year, and I was probably around nine years old, and um, I really wanted to perform a solo part in this performance. Um, it was singing. Um, and so I put myself forward for it. I mean, it was amazing, really, that I did that. Um, and more amazing that I actually got the part. And what was amazing to me was that I actually stood up in front of an audience of grown-ups and I sung this song on my own. Now, I wouldn't say that I was a good singer. Um, I certainly wouldn't pass an audition for our creative team. Um, and like I say, my children have not got that from me. Uh, but I just loved to sing. I loved being in the choir. And so something got me up there. But, you know, looking back on moments like that and other moments when, you know, I stepped out of my comfort zone and I overcame my shyness, I can see really that what gave me the confidence was other people that encouraged me and spurred me on and believed in me, believed that I could do it. You know, when I stood up and did that song and I got that part, it really was because my music teachers believed in me and they wanted to encourage me. They could see that I wanted to do it and they spurred me on and they helped me. But you know, there are so many other people in my life um, that encouraged me and spurred me on. People like my parents, like other teachers that I had, like my youth leaders, my pastors, and ultimately God who encouraged me and gave me confidence as I grew in my newfound faith as a teenager growing up. I want to encourage you today that no matter where we find ourselves, we can have a confidence that surpasses our own strength 
and abilities. It's a confidence that will last. It's a confidence that will help us overcome our weakness. And it's a confidence that will help us to stand through every season that we face. I want to take us to Hebrews, to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I want to focus on some of the words in this chapter this morning. I want to read, first of all, Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 36. And it says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You know, these verses suggest that we don't have to throw away our confidence, but that we can remain confident no matter what happens. But you know, they also suggest that if we don't have to throw away our confidence, then actually we already possess confidence. And that to me, I don't know about you, but that is a great encouragement. You see, our confidence doesn't come from external forces, but it comes directly from God who created us and made us in his image with unique abilities, personality and gifting. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I love the fact that this was our theme for our Imagine Conference this year, which was only two weeks ago. Can you believe that? But you know, it's not just an encouragement for us as women, but for all of us, men and women. You know, can you today see yourself as God's masterpiece? You know, you are uniquely you because God has made you that way. And you know, as Genesis tells us, God sees that you are very good. You are very good. If we go back to um, Hebrews chapter 10, you know, in that chapter, the writer is encouraging the believers at that time because they've been through a lot of hardship and suffering for the sake of the gospel. You know, many of them had been publicly ridiculed and sometimes thrown into jail and sometimes even stripped from everything that they owned. You know, it was no wonder that many of them had lost their confidence. And he was reminding them to stay faithful because actually they had everything to live for. But you know, maybe you are feeling like that today. Maybe you've gone through unsettling times or you find yourself in a season of change and transition Maybe things just aren't what they should be right now. Or maybe you feel stripped of some of the stuff that has made you who you are. Well, I want to encourage you today. You don't have to throw away your confidence because in Jesus, you actually have everything to live for. You know, Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says this. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, so many in, people in the world are, are running away from things, from situations, from people. You know, they're imagining the worst is going to happen. But you know, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to live like that. You know, we can live our lives with boldness and with confidence, a confidence that's rooted in God, where we don't have to fear the future or the disappointment or the disaster. 
There's a writer and an author called Ray Edwards, and he said this about being as bold as a lion. He said, the secret to being as bold as a lion, to being fearless, confident, and relentless in the pursuit of what we seek is the conviction that what we are doing is what we are supposed to be doing. It's the conviction that what we are doing is what we are supposed to be doing. You know, I think that as Christians, that the, the only way that we can have that kind of conviction is through the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, we were made on purpose for purpose. And God has a purpose for each and every one of us. The question is, are we living with a conviction that what we are doing is what God, what God has called us to do right now? Because if we have that conviction, you know, then we can have the confidence that God will give us all that we need for every situation that we find ourselves in and that we can trust him with our future. So how do we hold on to this kind of confidence? How do we live as bold as a lion? Well, I believe that we have to remind ourselves of the confidence that we already have. And I just want to share with you today just three reminders from Hebrews chapter 10 of that confidence. So are you ready? Number one, we have confidence in Christ's sacrifice. We've remembered that today as we've taken communion. But we have confidence in Christ's sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22 says this. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You know, at the beginning of chapter 10, the writer talks about the fact that the old system of the law of bringing the continual animal sacrifices that they had to do back in those times reminded the people constantly of their sin. And these sacrifices, of course, had to be repeated over and over again. But the fact was that, that these had to be repeated because they didn't have the power actually to cancel the sin of the people. And all that they did was just, just to remind the people that they had failed again and again and again. And that the people were not right before God. But you know, here's the good news. God wanted us to be set free from guilt and shame by offering Jesus as a sacrifice once and for all. Because the sacrifice of Jesus perfectly shows the love of God for us. It never needs to be repeated. And the life and death of Jesus was an act of perfect obedience and the only perfect sacrifice. And of course, perfection can't be improved upon. And so God's perfect plan was that the sacrifice of Jesus would be once and for all. So you can have the confidence that through Jesus, you have been made right with God. And because of his sacrifice, it goes on to say in verse 19, that we now have confidence to enter the most holy place. And earlier in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says something very similar. He says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. And some translations there say, let us boldly approach. You know, you can be as bold as a lion when you enter into God's presence. You can come to God with your head held up. You know, God doesn't want you to hang your head in shame or to come fearfully afraid, you know, that he's going to be disappointed in you. No, God loves you. He is waiting for you. And he actually loves to spend time with you. So don't come into his presence with your head held down, but with your head held up. You can boldly approach God's throne. You know, we all have a story of God's grace and mercy. And this is what gives us confidence to enter into his presence. And I think sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of all that Jesus has done for us. And that we, through his sacrifice, have been made right with God. So today, you can have confidence in Christ's sacrifice. Number two, you can have confidence in God's promises. In verse 23 of chapter 10, it says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You know, we only have confidence in a person's promises to us if we know that they're able to deliver on them. You know, the, promise, the problem for us is that the promises we make are limited really by our resources, what we have in our hands, what we're able to do. You know, I'd like Gavin to promise that he is going to take me to Florida because that's my favorite place in the world. It's where Disney lives. But, you know, as much as he would love to promise me that, that will only rely on our resources, on our financial resources to get us there. And of course, you know, in the present climate, with everything going up, really that's a pipe dream. It relies on our resources. And our resources are limited. But you know, the good news is that God's resources are limitless. And so when he makes a promise, there is nothing that can stop that promise from being fulfilled. And so our confidence comes from seeing God's promises fulfilled in our lives. So I want to encourage you today to think of the times when God has been faithful to his promises in your life. You know, when has he shown you that he is good, that he is with you, that he has called you for purpose, that his power is at work in you, that he strengthens you in your weakness that he has a plan for you, that he is for you. You know, when I remind myself of these things, it helps me to have confidence that there is nothing that God cannot do for me because he who promised is faithful. There's a story in the Old Testament about David, King David. Um, But when he was a shepherd boy, he faced Goliath. You may have heard of this story. But when he faced Goliath, he was able to be as bold as a lion, because he had complete trust in God's faithfulness, which he had experienced over and over again as a shepherd boy. And this is what he said in response to King Saul, who actually ridiculed the idea that David could even attempt to try and defeat Goliath. Remember, David was just a teenager. Goliath was like this huge man who was over nine feet tall. And this is what he said to Saul. 
in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 37. He said, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You know, it seemed an impossible situation, but David's confidence was established in God's faithfulness to his promises. And he just needed to remind himself of the times when God had saved him from the lions and the bears. And of course, you know, when we think about God's promises to us, when we read of them in his word, very often we go to the Psalms, don't we? And of course, many of the Psalms are what David wrote. And they came out of his own experience of when David had helped him, when he'd rescued him, when he'd saved him, when he'd been with him, when he'd provided for him, when he'd restored him. Today, you can have confidence in God's promises because he who promised is faithful. And number three, you can have confidence that there is more. In Hebrews 10 and verse 34, it says this, You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. You know, when discouragement comes and when disaster happens, Jesus promises hope, a hope for the future. And what seems like the end is not the end because there is always more. There is more hope, there is more purpose, there is more joy, there is more freedom. And it's an eternal hope that lasts forever. And I think sometimes it's helpful to see things in the light of eternity, remembering the promise of what is to come. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 to 18, Paul says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though inwardly we are wasting, sorry, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our soul and our spirit they are being renewed day by day. And, and God is the expert of making all things new. You know, I love the seasons. But I'm not a big fan of the winter. I'm a big fan of the summer. And you know, what gets me through the winter is the promise of summer. I literally think about the summer in the winter on days when it's cold and grey outside. And I think, well, it might be cold today, but soon there's a day coming when it's going to be warmer, hopefully brighter, the days are going to be lighter, you know. And uh, I love seeing new life springing up. The bear trees coming to life and becoming lush again. I love it at the moment. And it's just amazing to me how a plant or a bush or a tree that seems dead suddenly comes back to life. God is the expert of making all things new. And you know, there's a story about Peter in the New Testament. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. But Peter disowned Jesus three times before Jesus was crucified. And at that moment when he disowned him, he totally lost his confidence. He lost his confidence in who he was and in what God's purpose was for his life. 
You know, he went back to being a fisherman because that was his comfort zone. That's what he knew. But it wasn't what God had planned for his life. You know, he thought he'd totally blown it. He thought it was all over. But in John chapter 21, we read of how Jesus, the risen Jesus, called him back and renewed his confidence. In John chapter 21, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? One time for every time that Peter had disowned him. And you know, in that moment, Jesus was washing away all of his mistakes and he was giving him back his purpose. Jesus was fulfilling his promise to him that on this rock, he was going to build his church. And you know, on the day of Pentecost, just days later, Peter stood up in front of thousands of people and he boldly declared the good news of Jesus. And it resulted in 3,000 people giving their lives to him that day, just in that day. It was incredible, an incredible moment when Peter was fully restored. You know, just like God was able to restore what Peter had lost, he's able to do the same for you. And just like God had more purpose for Peter, he has more purpose for you. When you think it's the end, it's not the end because God has more for you. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, and I want to read it from the message version, it says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around. I love this, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. You know, because God's Spirit is working within you, there is always incredible potential for God to move in you and through you. You know, today you can have confidence that there is more. So I started with the story of Nims Perger, who took, you know, something that seemed impossible and made us all realise that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Yeah, today you are God's project possible. You might think you're not. You might think you're an impossible project for God. Or maybe you think that you're not good enough. Maybe you feel that there's no way back for you. Maybe you just can't see what the future holds. Well, I want to tell you what God says. God says that He loves you, that you are chosen, that you are His, that you're not a mistake. You know, Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you're facing a struggle or an anxious season, He is with you and He is able to sustain you and to bring you peace. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 26 from the Passion Translation says this, God is your confidence in times of crisis keeping your heart at rest in every situation. So today, if you are lacking confidence or you feel like you've thrown your confidence away, you can remind yourself of these truths, that Jesus died for you. And because of His sacrifice, you can boldly enter into His presence where you can receive the grace and the mercy that you need. And Jesus is faithful to His 
promises. If He said it, you can believe it. And wherever you find yourself in life, God will always have more for you. More hope, more purpose, more joy, more freedom. I want to finish with reading to you again Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1, which says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You are as bold as a lion. Why don't you stand and I want to pray with you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just thank you for every single person here right now today, whether they're in the room, whether they're watching online. God, I thank you that you are with them. You know, they might be in a difficult place, in a difficult season, in a season of transition maybe. Maybe they're in a place where they are lacking confidence, where maybe they've lost their confidence even. Well, I thank you today that you are their confidence and God that they can find that confidence in you again. I thank you Jesus for your promises to each and every one of us God and I thank you that you are faithful to your promises over our lives God. I pray that people will take hold of your promises today Lord that they would run with them that they would not grow weary but they would run and gain strength from you God. I thank you that you died for each and every one of us, that your sacrifice has made us all right with you and that we can stand boldly in your presence today. And I thank you, God, that you have more for each and every one of us. And I thank you, God, wherever people find themselves today, Lord God, that you would remind them that you have a plan and a purpose for them and that there is always going to be more for their lives, God. Just as you restored Peter, God, you you can restore them. And I pray that if anyone finds themselves in that place, God, that they would just look to you, that they would lift their heads to you and trust in your faithfulness and in a future with you. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.